0: Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday and welcome to HR Work Break. Today, I'm joined by Karen Siegel, HR and Business Development Manager at Delta Hire. Delta Hire is a Miami-based boutique administrative staffing agency specializing in finance, legal, and IT. Karen, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hi, excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really
0: excited to have you here too. So this podcast is airing on a Friday, but today we're actually here to talk about what can happen on Mondays specifically the latest HR trend, Bare Minimum Mondays. So I'd love to hear your description and your take on um, what that means.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, too, because I know we were, you know, kind of going back and forth of when we wanted to do this. And I was like, well, let's not do it on Monday. (laughs) So really, truly, that's when I, I don't do a lot of my media engagements. So to really put it into frank terms, Bare Minimum Monday to me is like the hangover of the Sunday scaries, in my opinion. It is just the lagging aftermath of the Sunday scaries, which of course has been a key term for years now. And so bare minimum Monday, and I, and unfortunately the word bare minimum is used because it's a more of a negative connotation. I think it should be reset Monday in my opinion, but it's, it's essentially doing kind of the low hanging fruit tasks. So you're not burning out by the Wednesday afternoon of the week. That to me is the true definition of bare minimum Monday. Is achieving the low hanging fruit productivity tasks to prevent mental burnout through the week.
0: Yeah, that's a really good way of looking at it. Like, it's not that you're elongating your weekend, you're rather prioritizing the easier lifts so that you can avoid burnout, like you said.
1: Exactly. I think that's the most positive way to look at it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so, on an individual level, people can kind of establish Bare Minimum Mondays on their own, but how do you think leaders can kind of create a culture of preventing burnout and kind of embracing that Bare Minimum Monday mentality that you talked about?
1: I think there's a lot of things, and and what I always navigate against is the traditional answers of getting up from your desk, drinking water, doing yoga, stretching. Like, those are things we should be doing regardless. When I think of burnout, I think of mental burnout and not as so much physical burnout. And I think burnout typically is associated with physical burnout. Like you don't feel well, you're tired, things like that. But that stems from mental. So what I think leaders in general first need to shift that thought process that it's a mental burnout of their employees. There's a lot of different ways you can prevent mental burnout. A, it's identifying it. And the overarching thing that we really work on, especially with a lot of our clients, is emotions are okay in the workplace. And if emotions are okay, and obviously there's boundaries involved, if they're okay in the workplace and having that ideology, there's a lot of burnout that can be prevented because people can be direct, they can be themselves. The overarching theme, in my opinion, and what we really kind of stress is that it's okay to have emotions.
0: Yeah. I feel like that ties in really well to like psychological safety in the workplace and how like if you're in an environment where you feel safe to be yourself in a place where if you genuinely say like, I have too much on my plate, can you help me out? Like you're not going to be met with any sort of combative or like accusatory energy is really important.
1: I think energy is important too, especially when it comes to burnout, because to me, burnout isn't the work that you're doing. It's what happens when the work's happening. So for example, If you're an accountant, if you're a staff accountant, it's not crunching the numbers and looking at the spreadsheets, it's everything else. It's the manager that you may not communicate well with. It's the coworker next to you that bothers you for whatever reason. That's where burnout comes in, because that emotional stress and that energy plays a toll on you. It's not the actual physical work. And that's another mind shift that we have to understand, too. It's more of how do we work together with each other in in, in that way?
0: Yeah, Combating burnout is like a huge step that a lot of people are trying to take now to improve retention rates and just keep people on board and engaged. Do you have any like advice for making sure that you're not in an environment where
1: people are not communicating well? Being in the staffing and recruiting agency space is you've seen the news articles, it's more massive than ever where I'm obviously experiencing myself recruiting some of the same positions, especially with the Gen Z now. So to combat kind of that annoying coworker, it's interesting that you asked me that (laughs) more recently I've been working with, and there's a lot of different ways you can do this. I like metrics and I like things that are on paper and to be able to show clients. So we use something called DISC, D-I-S-C. It's a very in-depth personality test. I mean, anyone can log in and we have it at our place, but I'm not promoting it by any means. I'm just saying we use DISC. So with DISC very in-depth personality assessment and can either be a D and I and S or a C. And then your coworker may be on the completely opposite end of the spectrum with DISC. And most likely they are if you're not working together right. But what's cool about that is they have these comparison reports where you can kind of compare, okay, this is how we work well together. And this is why we don't work well together. So it's focusing on the positives and the negatives, and even just being able to psychologically understand that and see it Sometimes just that's all you need. Yeah. And then there's obviously different ways you can do it. But really the overarching, you know, to answer your question, I think clear is kind in direct conversations. And we're having less and less of that as time goes on, which I think we have to do a lot of work as society.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Clear is kind is the motto that I love to follow, that Delta Hire follows, because it's true. Clear is kind. And sometimes direct conversations aren't kind. Kind. But being clear is, and you can do that without being, you know, harsh or whatnot.
0: Yeah, it's like the difference between telling the truth and just like brutally ripping it to someone.
1: It's the sandwich, it's the hamburger, the positive, the negative, the positive. I've always lived by that. You, you kind of have that sandwich when you get feedback. But I think it, again, goes back to burnout. A lot of that is just not having direct dialogue. And or not maybe maybe not even knowing how to do it. And so employers also too can help employees learn how to have those types of conversations if it's not natural to you. Like it's not natural to me to be direct. I've had to learn to be direct.
0: Yeah. And I feel like that really kind of speaks into what you had mentioned about statistics and stuff. Like in the HR space, especially when you're trying to make change, a lot of times if you have concrete data to show people or concrete examples, it makes that kind of transitional process a lot smoother.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Going back to like the bigger idea of bare minimum Mondays or just, um,
1: how did you phrase it originally? I call it um, reset Mondays or it's the hangover of Sunday scaries. With
0: reset Mondays, I feel like that's a really good way of phrasing it. It's
1: so much nicer. (laughs) It's
0: so nice. But I feel like that's kind of the epitome of embracing work-life balance. Like you're shaking off the hangover of the Sunday scaries. You're easing back into the week. So How do you think that supporting work-life balance and that acknowledgement that work ebbs and flows with the day of the week or even the season plays a huge role in retention efforts?
1: Yeah, retention is, I mean, turnover is always going to happen, especially in different industries. It's going to be higher and lower. But retention, I think it goes into the four-day work week, if you don't mind me kind of jumping into that, because I think that helps with retention in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, no, I was going to get to that later anyway. So this is a perfect transition.
1: Everyone's talking about the four day, four day work week, you know, with the UK doing their big study. So with retention, particularly, I think it goes back to like shifting to working with an individual employee versus all the employees having to conform to management. So it's shifting that uh, management, having to manage individual employees differently, which is new and different because right now this is the only time that we've ever had all generations in the workplace. We have Gen Z, millennials, Gen X and boomers. So there's a lot of different, you know, ways in how we've managed. And I think managing to the individual employee is number one for retention. But number two, a lot of it is, you know, I believe in productivity and that you have peaks during the day and that you you have low peaks. That's going to play into the four day work week, right? So for me to advise someone for retention is if that employee works best between this amount of hours. And of course, if your industry can do this, some can't if they work best between this amount of hours and this amount of hours, why not have them work that life balance to prevent burnout, you know, to prevent turnover? Right. Um, I think it works and it doesn't. It first starts with changing the way that we manage. We now need to manage the individual employee because we have every generation in the workspace versus everyone conforming just to the way that management is.
0: Right. And even within like specific generations, you have people who work in very different ways. Just going back to what you were saying about finding optimal hours that people are most productive. You could have two Gen Z workers. One's a morning person, one's a night owl. So someone's going to be super productive at 10 a.m. The other person's going to be super productive at 6 p.m.
1: Yep. And and I've tried to do research on it, but it's not as in-depth as sleep REM cycles I call it the productivity REM cycle. I know that's not what it's called, but it's almost the exact same as a sleep cycle and everyone's different and it changes throughout your life depending on your schedule. Like To give you an example, I wanted to schedule this with you earlier in the day opposed to later in the day because in my world, in my mind, I'm most productive between 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., right? From 1 to 3, it's like, eh three to four is good. And then I peak again from like 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. and I do work then. So that's my personal example of my productivity and those waves during the day. But if I, you know, I've been in roles where I was forced to have to do from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. and I had to be on, I was in sales for many years. That burnout and that sales, there's a reason why they have some of the highest turnover in all of the industries. There's, There's no secret behind that. I was
0: gonna say, there's a lot of moving parts within sales
1: that make it difficult. Yeah, especially when you're on, you know, cold calling or your sales are coming in on the phone and you don't have that luxury option. I think there are ways that employers can tweak that, but that helps, I think, a lot with retention.
0: Definitely. And you had mentioned before that Europe has had a 32-hour long work week for a while. Like, it won't work for every single industry, but do you think that as the Reset Mondays kind of gain popularity, the debate for a shortened or a four-day work week is going to gain steam?
1: yes and no i am the uh, balance i think of that topic so i like to give the pros and the cons and the reality you know europe's been doing 32-hour work who's particularly in the mediterranean right they have a siesta every day and whatnot way before this trend happened i worked at a pr company years ago and we had a four and a half day work week so we had what we called year-round summer fridays i was in the public relations industry at the time at a boutique firm in manhattan so every Friday we were off at 1 p.m. We still worked 40 hours. We worked them Monday through Thursday. So we worked 10 hour days mostly. Like we wanted to work 10 hour days because we knew we could get out at 1 p.m. and like we get doctor's appointments. We could, you know, leave early for the weekend if we were traveling somewhere. So like we had so much more motivation to still put in the same hours. So do I think it could work? Yes. A lot of companies do summer Fridays. I know, especially in big cities, they're pretty infamous for it. If you can do it in the summer, why can't you do it year-round? Because unlike Europe, the United States works during the summer. I'm not saying that it's negative to do it in Europe, but we work during the summer.
0: Yeah, it's not like there's a difference between time of year and your workload usually.
1: If you can do summer Fridays in July, you can probably do them in January. Now, the thing about the four-day work week, to be totally transparent, that's a white-collar industry keyword. I work mostly with blue collar and and a majority of our country is hourly and a majority of our country gets paid around minimum wage and maybe a couple more dollars. So that is not realistic because if you're working hourly, most of the time that company is not willing to pay you for that time off. Um, So I just want to make that clear, too, when we talk about four-day work weeks, it is really for industries that are not customer-based or sales-based, production-based, or whatever the case may be. But the last thing I want to talk about for four-day work week are the cons of it. In Europe, they're known for their siestas. They're not as on-demand as us. We are a very on-demand culture. We have Uber Eats and DoorDash for a reason. The Mediterranean, for the most part, is not like that. Why? Because they have times off during their day and people know that they can't go to a store. So if our culture were to change to how they are, we would have to also change a lot of our personal mannerisms in the way that we work. And that may be a con for us because we're very used to being on demand. So I think it's looking at it both ways and knowing that there is a cultural difference too.
0: Definitely. And even though there's just a huge divide in how realistic it would be to implement something like this between blue collar workers and white collar workers, do you have any like advice for similar like mental health or work life balance initiatives blue collar working companies could kind of implement?
1: Yeah, I have a client who I work with mostly, and they are a media company. They are uh, open twenty four hours. They never shut down, right? And so particularly what I work with is the customer service and the auditing team that's always on their hourly. And, you know, the way that this company does it is they have really, I mean, they have really great benefits. You know, like they pay for your premium for your medical. They give you a stipend every week um, on a debit cards so you can order a meal. A lot of people work overnights. They do like a food truck. I mean, but this is a huge, this is a pretty huge company that has the- They have the funds to do it. But there's a lot of companies i worked for that had the means to do this that didn't do those little things. And when we recruit, and I mentioned the littlest thing, people are like, I'll go there. When you tell someone, give them a $100 debit card a week so they don't have to pay to bring in lunch or order or, get, or they could use it for groceries, they're like, sign me up. That's such a benefit. Obviously, as a smaller company, if it's more blue collar, I think it just goes into just being accommodating and nice. I mean, I know that sounds so basic. That's like my starting advice if you don't have the means. The littlest things in the acts of service count.
0: Yeah, it's like you said too earlier, you have to understand how to manage the individual. And as an individual, if they have a doctor's appointment, be like, yes, you can go to your doctor's appointment kind of a thing. Or like, I need to pick up my kid early, so I'm leaving work, that kind of understanding.
1: I'm a big believer in the five love languages and I think it applies to outside of a romantic setting. So the acts of service, the quality of time, I'm I'm probably not gonna be able to name them all, but it's the five love languages but I think that plays a lot into employees too. like one employee may value acts of service as in like, you know, their manager let them leave 15 minutes early because like you were saying they had to make a doctor's appointment, or someone may appreciate like, I don't know, like a $5 gift, like a maybe like a new pen because their boss saw that they hated their whatever pens that they had. I don't know what it is. That can go a long way too. And even understanding what their quote unquote, like work language would love language.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just different ways to express employee appreciation is kind of like the core of it.
1: Yeah. And everyone's different.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, mine is acts of service. And, but my, I know my coworkers is quality time. So my coworker, for instance, really likes when our CEO, you know, spends more one-on-one time with him. Mine is like, Hey, you know, we get it. You got to leave a little bit early on Friday, you know, no big deal, whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And I have one final question for you. Since this airs on a Friday, I'm curious what you're looking forward to this weekend.
1: I love that. I love when people have conversations too that aren't just like, all right, we got to only talk about what we're doing. Like, just like,
0: yeah, no, like get to know the person behind the work.
1: It goes back to bringing emotion back into the workplace, right? So I'm actually headed up to Vermont. Our CEO, um, Noel, lives up there and and she's a certified coach in like a thousand different things but we're, we're hosting a happiness event next week at the Essex Resort and we're doing a lot of planning and then we're rolling out some disc stuff too. Personal wise you know before I head up to Vermont I think we're doing a brunch in Palm Beach. How about you? Oh
0: man so I ref part-time too so Saturday is pretty much all refing.
1: <laughs> what sport?
0: Lacrosse.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's so big up where you are.
0: Oh, it's huge. And like I played when I was in middle school and high school. So it's kind of fun to be like still involved in the sport. But outside of work, personal wise, I'm getting dinner with a couple of my friends. And then there's going to be a uh, cherry blossom festival type thing in town on Sunday, which I'm looking forward to. Oh,
1: good. The cherry blossoms are out. Yeah. I just don't love the smell sometimes, but I love the cherry blossoms.
0: Yeah, sometimes it can get overwhelming, but at least around me, it's like, one every block or so like they're not like congregated (laughs) but karen thank you so much for joining me today this was a really fun conversation to have
1: yeah maddie thank you
0: again i'm maddie collins and thank you for listening join us next friday or whenever
1: you need a work break